Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode 55 for the week of July the what? 5th? 2018. 18. We struggled with that earlier, so <laughs> it took both of us to get it right. Yes, it will. I tell you, we, for some reason, I went into a, t- it's called the movie we saw. Oh, Eight Man? Yes. I went into a time warp, time dimension there. Or there's some kind of gas leak in the booth here. Or, well, our lack of oxygen in the booth here, so. What's been happening, Adam? We're back here in the studio again. We're in July. We're halfway through the movie season. Officially, we made it through six months of the year. Yeah. Now we're also kind of halfway through the summer movie season. Yeah. And it's been a pretty good run so far. Yeah. Uh, this is the last comic book movie of the summer, I believe. I don't think anything else is coming out this month or in August, so we've had our run. And they've all been pretty good. We won't spoil the Ant-Man review just yet. Yeah. But you you don't have anything to really worry about. Yeah. Now, what's the next comic book? We have something in the fall, right? Do we have comic book stuff? We have comic book stuff. I just can't remember what it is. Aquaman might be in December. Uh, yeah, I knew something was coming. So, what else has been happening with with Adam? Did you have a good Fourth of July? I did. We saw some fireworks downtown Columbus. You were there for that. Yep, that was very fun. You survived the traffic. Barely, but yes, we did survive. And okay. that's it. I've seen some movies. Um... We're not going to talk about them, but I checked out American Animals, which I do recommend. Well, yeah, let's mention a few of them. Yeah, That's it's, a, right. it's a good heist movie. I've seen some stuff we're not going to talk about, so we'll just mention that. We'll just kind of take, we'll just kind of wing it here in this podcast, and as we always do, and we'll take a few minutes just talk about what we've been seeing. I saw First Reformed, which I'm in the vast minority here. I really didn't care for it, but if you look on Rotten Tomatoes, it has like a 95 percent from the critics. It's over 70 percent from the audience. And I was really negative on it, so that's just one I've I've really I'm out of sync on that one with the majority. It just didn't really connect with you, huh? No, I once the movie's kind of nebulous at the start. Once it gets on its path where it was going, I kind of checked out. It just it wasn't working for me, and I, I bounced off it. Sure. And um, what was the first one you said you saw? You saw American Animals, which you, is I like that a like lot. That. Yeah, that's a heist movie. Okay, excellent. Who's in that? Uh oh, the name escapes me. It's the kid from Killing of a Sacred Deer. Oh yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, I saw "Won't You Be My Neighbor," the Mister Rogers documentary. Yes, and I'll just say this: it's in my best of 2018. I really liked it. Did you cry? You don't have to cry. Were there tears? <clears throat> yes, there were some tears because you know I grew up with Mister Rogers. He he kind of. You know, he just was. I grew. Up, I grew up as a kid in the seventies, and so Mister Rogers was a thing. You know that you watched. He was. He was the guy you watched, and uh, I had no clue. I, I mean, I'm sure I retained a lot of it, but I had no clue the cultural and social impact he had, and some of the subject matters he addressed with young children. You know, it would have just been over your head. Yeah, but I mean, he talked about. Death, and he talked about um, divorce, and I mean, he talked about adult-themed subjects, you know, to try to help kids. He believed that children were able to process things if you spoke to them in a way that they could understand, and you know, he would try to help them through that. And so, yeah, I just didn't really understand. I mean, he did a lot of stuff socially too, where at the time there was a lot going on where there was an incident during during the 60s and, and where they were 
it was down in the south somewhere, and there were some African Americans swimming in a swimming pool. And so the manager went and got some poison, some cleaning supplies, and was dumping in the pool to try to run them out, you know. And that very same week, he had an African-American mailman that always delivered the mail, and he set up a kiddie pool, put water in it, and he was cooling off his feet because it was the heat of summer, and he invited the mailman to come clean his, you know, to, to cool his feet off. And so the mailman did. He took his socks and shoes, and, and so he purposely said, here, I'm a white guy from Pennsylvania, and here's an African-American guy. It's okay for us to be in a pool together. And he was just always doing stuff like that, which was incredible, you know. So I really, really enjoyed uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor. Highly recommend it. Um, I don't know if it'll have as much impact on you if you didn't grow up with him as much, but still just a well, great— Well, his show ran until 2000, the early 2000s. I mean, yeah. it was in my childhood. He was in the childhood of the generation behind me. Yeah, no, abs- so, absolutely. So He's one of those pure souls that you just hope is is real and legit. He was. But he's the kind of guy if bad stuff came out about, you just we it would shake you to your core. If Mr. Rogers was not a good guy in real life, it'd be heartbreaking. And there's never been a report to the no. contrary, you know? I mean, every person they interviewed said that what you saw on TV was the person you got in real life. It was there was no difference. And uh you know, and, and then they brought up all of the uh <clears throat> social media memes about he didn't have any tattoos all over his body. He never served in the military and was a you know a vicious marine person you know all, all those all those crazy stories that run around the social internets and uh, social media and he was none of that he was just a a simple man that knew early he wanted to touch children's lives and uh, you know he wanted to make an impact he believed if you were you know you can sum up Mister Rogers like this if you'll just be nice good things can happen in the world let's just be nice and kind to one another and that was kind of his motto so. Anyway, yeah. Well, and so. the, the last film I saw this week, but we're not going to talk about, is Hearts Beat Loud with Nick Offerman. This is a just light, feel-good movie. It's kind of filling in the niche that last year, the years two years ago, Captain Fantastic filled in the summer, where it's just a nice movie about family. Not a lot of high stakes, just a very pleasant and enjoyable movie to watch. I, nice. I'd highly recommend that oh, as well. It's called nice. Hearts Beat Loud. Excellent. And my other movie I saw was Incredibles 2, which we're going to talk about. Which we will talk about. Later in the show today. I love the first Incredibles. I was so pumped to see Incredibles 2, so I can't wait to talk about it with you. So, Well, I think we should jump right into our feature for tonight, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Let's take a little listen to Ant-Man and the Wasp. You're listening to The Film Coterie, and we'll be right back. I just have one question. When Cap needed help, if I'd asked you, would you have come? I guess we'll never know. But if you had, you'd have never been caught. I do some dumb things, and the people I love the most, they pay the price. Thanks to you, we had to run. We're still running. Let's go.
need someone watching your back. Like a partner. Hold on. You gave her wings? And blasters. So I take it you didn't have that tech available for me. No, I did. Okay, the first movie that we're going to talk about this evening is Ant-Man and the Wasp, the sequel to Ant-Man from a few years ago. And this is a Marvel movie set in the MCU. This takes place in the timeline. Now, looking back over all these movies, there's still kind of a reason you're going to have to watch them in order, even 20 years from now. They all have these tie-in story arcs. And that's that's also true here with Ant-Man. It has some tie-in with Infinity War, which just came out in May, so expect that. And we would recommend you see Infinity War before you see this movie. Not that it'll spoil anything, but some things might not make as much sense if you've not seen Infinity War. Yeah, I would agree. Um, w- one of the things that I like about... I have a lot of thoughts about Ant-Man, but one of the things I like about Ant-Man is... It's kind of a shift gear kind of movie. It's a change of pace, you know? I mean, with Infinity War, it was so just so emotionally gut-wrenching and the stakes were the universe and, you know, all that. It's just kind of nice to come to the playground of Ant-Man and the Wasp, you know? Where it's just his little world, the people he interacts with, no cities were in danger, no no planets were in danger, but yet stakes were still these are personal movies, you know? Yeah. There was still humans were, there was very dear humans were in danger, you know? And so the stakes were just as high, but on a much smaller level than what you get with a, movie, a huge, gigantic movie like Avengers. There's no supervillain with a glowing object that's going to end everything as we know it. No, yeah, yeah absolutely. So uh, we have pretty much all returning characters in this one. Yep. Uh, Paul Rudd is back as Ant-Man, Scott Lang. Evangeline Lilly's role is greatly expanded here as the Wasp, yes. a- a.k.a. Hope Van Dyne, and she does a good job here. I'm gonna We'll talk about her more in depth. Michael Douglas is back as Hank Pym. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is now in as uh, Janet Van Dyne, Hank's... Yep. I don't know if they're married. They have the separate names, but Hank's partner. Yep. And then Lawrence Fishburne gets added in, and then the villain, the Wasp, the Wasp. The ghost we've not seen before. Right. And Michael Pena and his gang of ex-cons are in as well. And uh, I'll start off by saying I really like that they expanded Michael Pena's role in this movie and just gave him a lot more ground to be funny and to do his thing, you know? Um, If you look at the movie as a whole, I think they took what really worked for the audience and kind of amped it up a little bit. Yeah, no, I would agree. And I like that they didn't take Michael Pena's character to the point where he became a caricature of himself. He could have went over the top and it would have been, it would not have worked, you know? He skates the line a little bit, but the scene works because of uh, some funny comedic elements where he really tells the story again. Yeah. But it, it, it skirts the line a little bit of him being well, maybe a bit too much. Well, I could see if somebody would say that. It just wasn't for me. Yeah. I didn't think it was too much for me. But, um, so overall, Adam, what are your just thoughts about the movie? You know, like, dislike, uh, you know, hit and miss. You know, what was your thoughts about Ant-Man and the Wasp? I liked it. It's it's nice and breezy. It's very fast. I don't know the actual runtime on it, but it runs pretty quick. Um, it has a story that's not super predictable. You know, you some surprises along the way, some fun heist stuff. There's still always the fun sizing stuff up, down, left, right. Yeah. And we have... Um, ghost who's the new villain that 
can walk through walls and and punch right through you and do some real damage. And it was an interesting villain character. Again, Marvel didn't give us the normal villain here. No, I, I agree. And Ghost, in one sense, though, she had a very similar power or ability to Ant-Man and the Wasp, except for she wasn't getting small and big. She's just phasing in and out. And so it made the battle scenes really interesting between the three of them uh, as they interact with one another, which I thought was pretty cool. And it's a neat visual look that follows her because usually you can see multiple instances of her. She's phasing in and out, and there's multiple realities, and yeah. there's quantum entanglement going on. I, I think they did, with her specifically, I think they spent the lion's share of their special effects budget because there were a couple other times where visually <clears throat> when it shows you know this is something that was in the trailer this is not a spoiler but when they show like giant pez dispensers and giant salt shakers and some of those things and like you know giant ant-man and stuff i, I just kind of got it looked a little cgi to me it didn't look really it really wasn't up to like an avenger standard or some of the other even a doctor strange standard some of the standards we've seen for cgi I thought it was a little bit, I don't know, I can't remember who they who ended up doing it, if it was the same crew that does the normal CGI, but it just didn't seem as good to me. Yeah, and the Quantum Realm looked good. Yes. You'll get some Doctor Strange vibes from it. It's very trippy. Oh, yeah, trippy. absolutely. But, I mean, overall, I like the movie a lot. Um, I like that it doesn't, that, that the universe is not at stake. Yeah. You know, I like that it's a little bit, a, a, just a different change of pace. Um, <clears throat> I like Paul Rudd's character as Ant-Man. I like the chemistry with his young daughter. Yeah, you know? that carries over from the movie, <clears throat> and it's even better in this one. A absolutely. And so that part about it I thought was really good. I like that a lot. Um, the nice parallel going on in this movie is her dad's a criminal. Scott Lang is a felon. He was a yeah. felon before he ever stole the oh, suit. Yeah. But now the world gets to see him as a hero, and that's how his daughter has always seen him. He's always been a hero to her, and then as an Ant-Man, he becomes a hero for the world. So it's a nice parallel in there. Yeah, and there's a redeeming quality to him. It, just given the chance, I can redeem myself. Um, I thought some of the stuff, some of the dialogue and some of the stuff fell really flat for me. I mean, don't get me wrong. I liked this movie, but it wasn't a great movie by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think it's going to crack anyone's top five Marvel and probably not even top ten. I, I, it's yeah. kind of inconsequential. Yeah, but like some of the dialogue, especially with 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 um, with Scott Rudd's character as Ant Man, it kind of fell flat. Him trying to play the dummy, like I don't understand what's going on, or you know, some of that just gets old after a while. And I kind of think they went to the well one too many times there, just for me personally. Um, but. Some of the things I really liked, like I said, I really liked Michael Pena. I, I liked Evangeline Lilly. Is yeah. that how you say your name? Evan the girl Evangeline. from Lost. <laughs> yeah, it's good to see her on the big screen. Oh, we were talking about great. this afterwards. I mean, she was on Lost. Most people are going to know her from Lost. She was also in the new Hobbit series. And then she just kind of vanished. She never really made the transition from small screen to big screen. She's a good actress. She was great on Lost, so absolutely, she's I, good in this. I mean, I, I think this will hopefully opens some doors for her. I mean, I'd like to see her in more movies. No, I, I totally would. I've really enjoyed enjoyed her performance today. I thought she was great in Ant-Man and the Wasp. And 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, maybe she just chooses not to. I, I, yeah. I just don't, who knows, you know, but I would like to see her in more roles and different roles to challenge her a little bit. I, th I think she could rise to the occasion. I think she did a really good job uh, in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, what are some of the other things you really liked about the film and things that maybe you're kind of, eh, about? One thing that stands out to me, there was a lot of nitpicking of Last Jedi on one specific plot instance, and that was, why didn't Admiral Holdo tell Poe her plan? I'm not going to spoil anything, but if you really deconstruct the plot of this movie, if the people had just sat down and talked, <laughs> there'd actually be no conflict. There'd be no issue. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> if they would just talk and hash things out, there's actually no conflict in this movie. It takes a 15-minute conversation. That's generous. I don't think it takes that long. Okay, five-minute conversation. <laughs> Sit at a table and everybody just get out what you're trying to do, and you won't the you won't even have the villain. The villain will just go away. Their interests all align. Yeah. No, I I agree. So so yeah, is there's definitely some. Real plot holes, loopholes, and you don't even want to take anything realistic. You know, you don't want to really start thinking about. The more you think about the things they did in this movie, the more absurd the movie will become. So just don't even go there. Just enjoy it for what it is. It, it's a fun ride. It is a um, very comedic driven move. Comedic, you know, Marvel driven driven movie. Um, and I like the chemistry between uh, Evangeline Lilly and Paul Rudd. I, yeah. I like their – there's real chemistry there, you know? Um, and it's been three years since the last one, and Michael Pena is the one that gets to fill in the backstory, what happened between the two of them, the whole are they, aren't they a couple thing. It's, it's Pena that gets to fill that in. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he does such a great job. I loved th – there's a scene where he gets interrogated, and I, I'm not going to say any more, but just the – I mean, all you gotta do is say truth serum, and and to me that whole that whole bit just caught me the right way. I just really, I don't know, I just really connected with it. I just thought it was funny. Wasted talent would be Walton Goggins. They have him as kind of a mid-level henchman. He's a great actor, and I really enjoyed him on Vice Principals and anything he does. He has nothing to do in this movie. He's just yeah. chasing a device around. No, you're you're exactly right. It's it's it, it, he's really wasted. Yeah, I mean, anyone could have played the role, and to have someone like Goggins, he could have done something more interesting with it than what they did. But he did cash a check. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, good, Marvel check. Yep. Sam Rockwell did it in Iron Man 2. Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, what else can we mill out about this movie? Um, you know, uh, do we want to talk any any bit at all about how it, connects to the greater marvel universe or no i mean that's for people to discover we can say there are stingers there's two one halfway through one at the end i can't say the one at the end is worth waiting through the credits no you skip the one at the end i mean i don't blame you if you want to see what it is and i'm not going to spoil it but it's if you thought howard the duck was minor this is super minor yeah no absolutely so well, I think I think we're both favorable on Ant Man and yeah, the Wasp. Yeah. I think we both would recommend it to to go see it. You know. Yeah, and it's been a good year for comic book movies, but this one may end up at the tail end of my list between Black Panther, Deadpool two, and Avengers: Infinity War. Yeah, it's definitely fourth. It's fourth at all those. Yeah, and it's, this movie has a lot of heart, but that's where Deadpool two surprised. I thought Deadpool two brought that into its comedic element. I mean, Deadpool two is funnier. 
and it, and it has it's a better heart, film. And it has more heart, and it's a better film overall. Yeah. And so. I'm a guy that hated the first right. Deadpool, you know? And still not a big fan of the first Deadpool. But I really came on board with the second one. It really kind of won me over with the series. So, all right. Well, one interesting yeah, thing go ahead. is that the Marvel, I should say Marvel, Disney-Fox deal is still being hashed out. <coughs> if Disney does acquire Fox... The rumors out that Peyton Reed is on the short list for director of a Fantastic Four movie to somehow bring the Fantastic Four into the MCU and have some explanation that they're in the quantum realm or another dimension or something since the 60s they've been missing. I think he's the right director for the job. The comedic elements, the family elements, it, that's, that is what Fantastic Four is. So I'm I'm on board if if they do name Peyton Reed as the director of that series. I'm I'm totally on board, absolutely. So what's well, interesting, he got you know with Yes Man the break, uh, bring, bring it on. So well, in Community, he he yeah. really got his he directed a lot of the episodes of Community that yep. that show. So he kind of has a, he has that comedic background to begin with, and he can, for the most part, handle. I would never turn him over. I would never give him a mainline Marvel Universe film. You know, I wouldn't personally just because. You know, unless it, his but I, I, unless his budget was the problem, but there just really was some when it came to the real action and some of the scenes and things. I, I just thought the movie kind of fell short, you know. Yeah. But well, um, I'll say this though: it felt a little bit Fantastic Four with the sub whatever the submersible was that could go to the quantum realm, yes. rescuing a family member. It's got that vibe. Oh, I, all all over it. Yeah. Yeah. So I I get why that's in there. Um here's the thing I thought about during the movie. It was a weird thought, but as I was watching, like this is way better than a wrinkle in time. And it's the same story. <laughs> I'm nodding my head in agreement. Yes. Just swap out Michelle Pfeiffer for Chris Pine. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And no, there's no witches, but yeah, <laughs> I thought this is way better than wrinkle in time with the <laughs> rescuing someone in a quantum realm. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Let's take a quick break and, Let's check in on The Incredibles, see how they're doing for part two. You're listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. Behold the Underminer! Watch after Jack Jack. I thought we were going to go. You heard your mother trampolining. We meet again. Superheroes are illegal. We want to fight bad guys. I use the bad guys. It defines who I am. We're not saying you have. What? Someone on TV said it. I was approached by this tycoon wants to talk about hero stuff. Help me bring supers back into the sunlight. We need Elastigirl. Bye, sweetie. I'll watch the kids, no problem. That's not the way you're supposed to do it, Dad. They want us to do it this I don't way. know that way. Why would they change math? No, math is math. Okay, math Dad. is math. All over Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf's are dozing. Her eyelids so heavy, they're drooping. Closing! I couldn't have done this if you hadn't taken over so well. I've got to succeed so she can succeed. So we can succeed. I get it, Bob. What the? That is freaky. But I can't keep giving him cookies. How? He's freaky. Nobody in a daddy. What? Done properly, parenting is a heroic act. Done properly. <laughs> All right, and we are back. We have uh, 
one more movie to do t- tonight, and uh, it's the much-anticipated Incredibles 2. 14 years in the making. Yes, and um, w- with Incredibles. Toddlers. What's that? Toddlers that were that age when the movie came out are now driving. Oh, absolutely, you know, and so... Uh, Brad Bird is going to return all these years later to, you know, redirect and to bring us Incredibles 2. And I've got to say, I think maybe I, I hyped myself up too much for this movie. Just you being, were hyped. This was your number one I, I mean, movie for the summer. I, I just, I loved the first Incredibles. I, I just thought it was great. And I walked out of Incredibles 2 going, eh, okay, you know. And so that it really kind of ended up being disappointing for me in some ways. But let me just say this up front. It's a good movie. The, the, this, there's some great action sequences. There's some great stuff in Incredibles 2. But I got to say, I came away with a lot of feeling like it was just rinse and repeat, that there weren't a lot of really new ideas in Incredibles 2, you know, um, the the movie, you know, no secret, but the movie starts right where Incredibles 1 ends. So here we've been. How many years has it been, Adam, you said? 14. 14 years. <clears throat> okay, think about Maybe. this. <laughs> That's what I heard. You know, it, it, it came out before we had a Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Yeah. And so, th- so just think about this, okay? 14 years pass, but no time passes in the movie. And that's just hard for me to reconcile a little bit. I wanted some time to pass, you know? And I got to Jack Jack's still a baby. He's still a baby. They're still trying to, hoping he has powers, which I thought he evidently proved he did, but he must have been too high up in the sky for them to notice that he changed or whatever. But I don't know. I mean, I just, it's, it's a good movie. Um, there's one outstanding for me scene, and it's the scene they give all the warning for the photosensitive people, you know. Well, let's talk about the villain, because oh, that yes, explains the, yes. the scene. Uh, is the screen slaver. Underminer shows up again and escapes. He's not the villain for this movie. The real villain is the screen slaver who enslaves people through hypnosis. Uh, flashing lights on electronic devices. Isn't that a very convenient plot device? <clears throat> If you want to turn a bunch of superheroes against each other, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like old school Superman. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hear you. Um, and so, well, one, I, there's just so many things that I was disappointed about. Number one, I didn't like the villain. Yeah, I, I, I called it from the very beginning. It was like it's like they're throwing a softball at you about who the villain is and what's going to happen, so you know who the villain is. At least I did right away. Um, I, I don't mind that they wanted to focus on Elastigirl. I th- okay, great, do that. You know, I don't mind the reveal of who the villain is. I think that's okay. Okay, great, go that way. But give them something really interesting to do. You know, uh, and then you have Mister Incredible. Yeah, he's not going through a midlife crisis now. But now he has to be Mr. Mom, and he doesn't know how to react to that. And so he's still going through a crisis situation, you know. Um, I don't know. I just—it just didn't connect with me. Like, I guess maybe I've—you know, when you you put the first one up on the throne that I have, the pedestal I've put up there, you know, maybe it's not going to sound 
as thrilling or, or, you know, great, you know, the second movie. But there's just so many things that didn't work for me. Um, but the one scene that really did was when when she's when she finally breaks into the villain's apartment and they they fight each other. And there's a scene where he tries to trap her in this room that's no bigger than maybe 12 by 12 at the most. Maybe, I don't know, 16 by 16 at the most. But the whole room is is the, the lights that he uses to hypnotize people. And it was just this really funky, psychedelic, kind of wild. It's like the whole movie's animation changed for a second. I thought that was really, that sequence was really, really cool. Really enjoyed it. Um, the best parts about The Incredibles is when the family is fighting together. Yeah. When they all put on their superheroes, and, and their superhero costumes. And I wanted more of that. You know, I, I don't want the whole family sidelined again, just like they were in the in the first movie, you know? To me, it was just like, well, let's just make the same movie again, only this time we're going to give all the heavy lifting to the wife instead of the husband, and we'll bring them all together again at the end and let them all fight together again at the end, and they can save the day again, you know? It's a common problem in superhero movies. The sequels usually do one of a few things. They either have the superhero's powers malfunction or not be reliable, like even Spider-Man 2, he had a cold and he was having trouble with the spider powers. They separate the characters. I mean, that's what Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 did. Put them into three groups and, and spread them out. That's a common trope. Yeah, no, yeah. And this movie does that way. They they split up the characters, and that doesn't always work. I mean, it, it makes some different pairings, but in this one, it I think it hurts the film. Sure. By not having the family together as much. And maybe that makes you feel like you have a payoff at the end. But I don't know that it was that big of a payoff to have them back together again. You know it's going to happen. <clears throat> yeah. Um. The, the action sequences are great. They're yeah. very well done. The quality of the movie, there's no no qualms with the quality that they put out, you know? What's interesting is they retain a similar visual style to the first movie. Yes. Even though there's been so many advances in technology and, and computer generation since then, it has a nice cohesive look with the first film. But it's light years ahead of it in terms of animation. Well, I would say by the time, let's just say by the time they end up on the big ship at the end, you can definitely tell they've come up to the 21st century. You know, it's definitely much more modern graphics, but they ease you into that process. The first 15 minutes, 20 minutes of this film is literally visually identical to the ending of the other one, you know? So I thought that would, they captured that great. Um, but there's just, I don't know, I just not a lot that just really wowed me about this movie, you know? When I think, you know, I, I wanted to see more, okay, if you're going to sideline the kids, send them to school. Let there be real conflict. Let her try to reconnect with the, the boy that she liked. Let, let let him not be able to get along with his friend. Just give me some of that. So, Dash has no conflict. Dash has no conflict whatsoever, you know? And so just give me a little something more there. And Violet uh, is barely conflict. Yeah, it, it, because they're interesting characters. You know, when when poor Jack-Jack has to carry the whole movie for yeah. comedic value, something's going on when you're, when you're running the same trick over and over. And it was funny the first couple times, but by the third or fourth time, you're like, did they not think of anything else to do in this movie, you know? And Frozone, Samuel Jackson's character, really has nothing to wasted, do either. Wasted, completely. You wasted Samuel Jackson in this movie. He they introduced a bunch of new heroes. Now, now... That's the positive, I think. There's some really interesting heroes they introduce, and they have unique 
I loved the portal girl, whatever her name was that made the portals. Brad's played the portal game. Yeah. That's clear. <laughs> yes. She has the same power of, and a lot of the same visual <clears throat> tricks of putting a hole here and accelerating down through this one and popping out over there. Yeah, and so I really enjoyed her character, even though she really, um, she kind of had this, she kind of had this Katy Perry vibe to her or something. You know, she she didn't look like all the other. Well, no, I won't say that all the other characters, but the but the uh, the the billionaire that's going to help them, they all look like kind of caricatures. But the billionaire that helps going to help them look just like a human being, like a normal human being, and then. His sister, uh, or not his sister, but the other superhero, she. I thought. I thought she that had the portal powers. I thought she. I'm like, are you blonde, Katy Perry? I mean, it was really. It was almost like, even though I loved her character, I was like, oh, okay. You know, I don't yeah. know. It just kind of took me out for a second. I was. I wasn't. The art style just kind of threw me a little bit. You know, um, but I liked. I liked some of the new characters. I liked the. The guy that was the big rock type character that was super strong, I enjoyed him real well, and uh, um, yeah, no, absolutely. So, if this movie makes a lot of money and it is, we get an Incredibles three. I, I have the feeling there's not going to be a time jump. I think they're going to stick with this storyline. Oh man! And it seems resolved because the big plot <laughs> for the first two movies is whether or not superheroes get decriminalized. Yeah. And and trust me, no spoiler alert. I you probably all know where that's going, right? <laughs> you know? They're more criminalized. <laughs> now, that would have been interesting, <laughs> but I I don't know. I, you know, now having watched it now, it's almost like I it's almost like I'm feeling like well, you know, I could have waited and watched that home video release and been okay. You know, been fine. So. Now, have you seen the first one recently? I have not. Okay, I wondered that myself because I've not seen it. Oh, I don't know that I've seen it since it came out. I don't think I ever watched it on home video. I have it. And, and it was ahead of its time for a comic book movie, <clears throat> but I don't know how it stands up. I mean, it may have wowed us at the time because we right. didn't have an MCU. We didn't have a lot of this other stuff no, going yeah. on. Yeah. And maybe it, it it has more weaknesses that we would see now. Yeah, it might be. I should have went back. I tried a lot. A lot of times when we watch these sequels, I try to go back and revisit them, you know, um, but I just didn't get a chance to with it. It was kind of an impromptu viewing to begin with. But, yeah, I didn't get a chance to go back and, and, and check it out. I think. And the funny thing is, I think this might be the first Pixar sequel I've seen because I've not seen Cars 2. I didn't see the second Monsters, Inc. And I didn't see. I've seen Toy Story 2. OK, so this is. Yeah. I've seen that sequel. Outside of the Toy Story franchise, the sequels are not that good. Yeah. I've not been impressed with any of the sequels. Now, Toy Story is the exception. The sequels there are great, and I've enjoyed. I think they've almost gotten better with each one, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the story's gotten richer and fuller, and so there is that potential there. But come on, Pixar, get, you know, let these. It's 15 years later. Let these Incredibles, let's give them some depth and give them something, you know? Give them something for us to to connect with. I don't know. I just, just There just wasn't a whole lot of connective tissue heart for me. I don't know. I just was like, meh, you know? It's good, enjoyable. The mainstream audience probably loves it. I mean, I'm sure it's getting good Metacritic and Rotten Tomato scores and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I know it's doing well financially at the oh, box yeah. office, you know? So great, but... I don't know. I just, it's a pass for me. I got to be honest with you. Now, it's the horror fan of me that has to say something since we brought up Toy Story. This is very morbid, but it's something to think about. 
if the toys die, if Woody had a heart attack or who knows what else. And he'd never notice. He'd just continue playing with our corpses. No, this, you're exactly right. <laughs> so that's your disturbing thought of the night. Sorry for bringing the room down. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> this is true, you know? Okay. <laughs> Sorry to end it on that note. Just, <laughs> those are the things that pop in my head. Oh, I love it, Adam. I love it. And we, we, we're glad we got through this segment because before we got into it, I introduced Roger to Smooth Yoda. And we just had a We literally derailment. had to stop podcasting for like 15 minutes. I lost my mind when I saw <laughs> Smooth Yoda. Smooth, do, Smooth Yoda is now displayed on our Instagram account. So if you just look at Film Do not be surprised if we, we, you don't see us getting a lawsuit because I've used Smooth Yoda in a YouTube video somewhere for our podcast. <laughs> Smooth Yoda is now our favorite character of the whole year. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, man. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for The Incredibles. Uh, when we come back, we'll, we'll take a quick look at what's coming up, our coming attractions, the movies that we'll be seeing in the next few weeks. You're listening to The Film Coterie. We'll be right back after the music. back and this is our coming attractions segment adam what do we have to look forward to coming up in the next few weeks on the film coterie podcast blu-ray bob is going to be in heaven oh yes because next week is his one of his top two anticipated movies this summer it's skyscraper with the rock which it looks like die hard with an amputee's leg uh, next week is also hotel transylvania which I would rather see over a skyscraper, just being honest with you. But we're gonna we're gonna yep. honor Blu-ray Bob's request and go see Skyscraper. Uh, the following week, the July twentieth, we have Unfriended Two, which I liked, Dark Web, Equalizer Two, which actually has a pretty good trailer. I like I like the first Equalizer. I'm looking forward to part two. And then a musical, the first musical of the summer, Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. Part two. Yeah, that should be fun. And then the last week of July, we have the most recent Mission Impossible, which Blu-ray Bob will lose his mind over. He's the big Tom Cruise fan. He's not the only one that's going to lose his mind. And uh, Teen Titans Go. Oh, there's another comic book movie, so I missed the boat. I, I said Ant-Man was the last one in the summer. Teen Titans. I, I've ne- never good. really been into the Teen Titans. Whole thing. It's for younger crowd. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, so that's some of the movies we could be reviewing in the month, in the next month. Um, we'll have some indies in there as well. I'm yeah. just reading the major releases. Absolutely. Adam, how can our devoted core, our devoted coterie of listeners, how can they find us on the social interwebs? The best place is on Facebook. If you just go to facebook.com backslash film coterie, you'll see our page. Like it, follow it, subscribe. And if you go to Instagram or Twitter, we have the same handle. It is at film coterie. And if you go to Instagram, you can see Smooth Yoda. There you go. You've been listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. We'll see you next week.